Oh, this is Chance Pratt with Living the Guide Life. We have episode nine today with Jake Suddeth from 806 Gun Dogs, owner and trainer and guide at Cadillac Creek Outfitters down in Texas. We go into talking dogs, how to put your dogs in high high uh, pace scenarios, and just talk about smashing birds down in Texas. You guys will really enjoy this one. We are live with episode nine of Living the Guide Life, and today we have Jake Suddeth out of the Panhandle in Texas, owner of 806 Gun Dogs and full-time guide at Cadillac Creek, which they shoot lessers, cranes, ducks, and they kill a lot of birds. And so, how's it going today, Jake? I got that beer. You're on the way to Louisiana, you said, right? Yeah, we're gonna we're on the way to Mount Vernon, Texas, to stop in at East Texas. Yeah. And tomorrow morning, and then after our train session tomorrow, we're gonna jump over to um, Mansfield, Louisiana, where we're gonna stay, and then. Uh, on Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday, we'll be in Chowdhury, Louisiana at the HRC uh, test there. And so we're going to run. I'm running eight dogs, and I uh, think uh, East Texas Retrievers, Nathan Wayford, is going to be running five or six dogs. So we're just going to kind of make a four or five day little deal and see if we can't get some dogs passed. So it'll be good. Yeah. How many people do they usually have at those hunt tests down there? Uh, lots. Uh, I mean, Louisiana, gosh, that the books opened at 7, and by 9, they were filled. And they've got people waiting on the on waiting list and everything else. And so I couldn't get certain dogs and certain, uh, and, you know, certain uh, levels, uh, season and master, so... Yeah, um, it was it was difficult. So, but no, it's good. It's the last one pretty much of the season till probably September, and then you know uh, it'll be it's full time. Fixing to be guide season, so here in about three or four months. So we're all kind of excited about all of it going on. Yeah, absolutely. I used to go with buddy with a couple of buddies that did the hunt tests up here, and our season is like just starting up right now for this area for the hunt test because getting nice outside and everything like that yes so, yes it is it's, it, it's so hot here that uh they're starting to shut down of course then everybody goes up north yeah to train to run field trials and hunt tests. so it's it's pretty hot here right now it's already right now so uh, you said 102 92. Oh, 92. Yeah, I lost you there for a second. Yeah, yeah, that's that's hot. That's a lot hotter than yeah, I'd want to be in. That's also why I like to stay up in the Northland. I, I like the cold better, so. Well, 
that's the thing about the Texas Panhandle. It will, it will freeze you out of here. Uh, and, uh, like we had some clients last year. We had some birds working, and it was pretty good. Like we were shooting birds. A good volley came in. We shot a bunch of birds, and people just started leaving left and right. They was like, we're too cold. We can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, when I was talking to Clint, too, and then you a little bit, you said the winds are just unbelievably strong down there too so the wind the wind is definitely a factor because that's what gets us cold up here is when it starts blowing that's when i start to get cold or yeah yes sure it's and up here you know we don't have any trees so there's nothing to block it yeah and uh so you better have some good good warm clothing on for sure because it will uh it will definitely freeze you out if you come in here with um, just you know, off brand type camo. Yeah. No called warm period doesn't work up here. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can only imagine the winds that you guys have down there because strong wind for us is like 20, 20 mile, 20, 25 miles an hour, and then they you once in a while get up to like 35, 40, but it's not like every day that happens is once in a blue moon <laughs> yeah that's an average day 20 miles an hour is an average day up there yeah so uh, but you know you had uh 25 degrees to that yeah and a northwest wind at 20 it's very cold yeah oh yeah <laughs> exactly um i was watching some of the gun dog videos on cadillac creek's youtube and uh, I, some of the stuff you were talking about, I've never seen like the lead to throw in the water. That's a pretty good idea for the people that haven't seen it. You could give them a lot of feedback on that or a little information. Yeah, you know, and that's just for people, you know, and when you're training by yourself, you have to come up with ways of how to fix issues that your dogs you know it's that has issues during the season and you know um, when you throw a bumper out in the water either you got to go out in the water and get it or you put a lead on it yeah. you know and, and throw it out there and then you drag it back and um you just got to figure out i mean there's there's lots of great information about how to fix a breaking dog and that's just my interpretation of what i've came up with to uh you know, fix the situation by yourself so you don't have to have, you know, another person there shooting the gun. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can even use live ducks and tie the leg off and throw a live duck out there, you know, um, throw it out there in the water, shoot the gun, mount the dog suit, and bring the gun back. I mean, it, uh, you can you can really uh, go in depth at that. But that, you know, it, and we have gotten some good feedback on it. Um, and uh, it, it's been very good, very good. We're gonna start those back up after I'm done traveling around, so get some more good information out there for everybody. Yeah, I like the e-collar one too, because I there were some things about like tightening how you tighten the collar and stuff that tightening the skin, and then also with your sitting commands, just to use that lead to kind of give them that little nick, and then eventually work your way into the collar. 
that's, uh, you, you know, you got to teach it first yeah. before you can reinforce the command with collar. If you go out and just start burning a dog down, <laughs> he sit, he doesn't know what's going on, he doesn't know how to sit, then, uh, yeah, you're defeating the purpose of uh, teaching the command. So, uh, yeah, it works, you know, and, you know, I go a lot on the Bill Hillman uh, training method. Uh, I trained a lot with Bill. Uh, and uh, Mary Tatum down there in Giddings, Caldwell area. And, uh, you know, every time I go down there, I learn something new. And, it, you know, the, I'm learning the very small, small things are very large things when you start getting an advanced dog. Because when stuff starts going south, uh, it's usually uh, you have to have your basics have been uh, you have a whole lot of basics and all your basic uh, commands and stuff like that. So it, it those people have you know they're fifty, if sixty, and seventy years old, and they've been doing this for forty years, and they they really know. And uh, it's I've just been blessed to be able to be around those type of people that. Um, well, even give me a time of day and get to teach me how to do things. So it's really good uh, learning every time I go down there. Yeah, that's awesome. Where is Bill from again? Bill is actually from California. Okay. Uh, but now he, you know, he lives in Caldwell, Texas. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and he, um, he's a Hall of Fame field trial trainer. Yeah. Um, he's got the number one dog, number number one derby dog in the nation, uh, Water Bark Shadow. He's 95 derby points, and so he graduated. So they're they're with the big dogs. Uh, you know, that is an exceptional dog. Um, maybe the best dog I've seen, and he's a great feature. It's very, very, very high when it comes to uh, an FC title uh, I'm sure so he is we're excited to see what he's got going they're fixing to take off and start field trialing up north so see more blue ribbons uh, in his trophy case yeah that's awesome yeah and I wanted to dig in depth with you about all like the high pressure systems that your guys' dog sees when you're out in Texas and chasing lessers and just thousands of birds coming in. And we talked about that and what it's like to have a dog be able to handle all that chaos and how you can work with a dog and keep him, get him ready for that type of scenario. Well, and like we just talked about it, a lot of it is getting your fundamentals, your basics sit, you know, and they understand that they don't move until, you know, you call their name uh, or you give them a command back. I use back with my dog instead of their name. Uh, but, uh, Lost you there for a second. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, I don't know what happened there. No worries. Uh, uh, but no, uh, you know, when you have a, when you have dogs in that type of situation where you've got 50, 60, 70, sometimes 100 birds landing 15 yards, sometimes 15 feet, sometimes three feet yeah. from your uh, your dog, you know, it 
you have to have basics on that dog where you can keep him under wraps at all times because just because that 50 landed we're going to try to land the rest of the a flock of birds coming around you know they'll go out and spin they might spin two more times and we want to keep everything quiet keep those birds in the decoys that usually sucks them other birds in so uh you know we will uh we do lots of sitting um and we found that you know we look we use the dog blinds and that helps too you put them in there and that just doesn't help with breaking but it, it has a, a spot for a dog you don't tell him to kennel or place he gets in there and that's where he stays while you get up fix decoys you know help a client out yeah. you know a lot of stuff moving around uh they just have a spot where they're out of the way and you know they're safe um and so uh, it's it's just a good thing, but you've got to practice it two or three times of saying sit. That's not really good. Yeah, you just got to keep on them. Hello. Are you there now? Yeah, I'm here. I don't know what is going. I've got full bars right here for some reason on my phone. Uh, but no, it's just. You know, we, you go back and forth, and you just got to train on it. And we do. We put these dogs in some serious situations. Yeah. Um, high pressure, a lot of guns going off, um, and you've got to have a good-minded dog. And not all dogs are going to be able to take that. Not all dogs, you know, can do it. And we've seen it. I've seen dogs, you know, come out. Clients bring them bird circle two or three fall into decoys and the dog just takes off after them you know and stuff like that and it's nothing against the person but it's like they say well he's never done that and i you know your next question is well has he never been in this situation before well no i go hunting at the duck hole you know down the road from the house well you know we shoot three or four ducks a day uh, a weekend, and no, of course your dog's not. Your dog is in a, a high-intensive environment with 15 guys in the line with shotguns, and <laughs> there's five or six, 10,000 birds flying over and working and everything else, and a lot of people screaming and hollering. Um, it, it's a it's a, a situation that most people can't simulate or ever put their dog in there in that situation and uh luckily i've I've hunted enough and got it enough that you know i try to put those dogs you know we'll put a big spread out uh, and start running these dogs through a very large spread 50 60 dozen decoys and you know shooting live birds we'll have people at gutter stations with live ducks throwing ducks out (laughs) boom Boom, boom, you know. Yeah. And I'll be in a layout blind, coming out of the blind, shooting. You know, the dog will be in his blind, uh, have two or three guys shoot, um, and trying to simulate and working two or three dogs at the same time. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't get that. And, and some trainers don't hunt. They do not waterfowl hunt. They are just strictly... Uh, dog trainers and they're very very good at it but when it comes to gun dog type atmosphere you know they're kind of, uh, they just don't 
uh, acclimate that dog to those type of situations. And so um, I think that's one advantage of, of my program, especially the gun dog program, is I can I can put them in that situation of lots of decoys, uh, lots of live birds, uh, lots of gunfire, you know, running through not just 10 or 15 decoys. We're talking a lot of decoys. Yeah. Because the dog's <laughs> got to learn. And especially an advanced dog that's running blind. Well, we've shot 60 birds right here in front of us at 20 yards. Well, we've got a flyer out there now that's crippled. Now we've got to run a blind past all those dead falls. And it's not three dead falls, it's 60 dead falls. You know, and that dog, you know, that's a lot of uh, situations you got to put your dog in as well. Yeah. You know, a lot of dogs come out that can run blinds that are really good. They really have trouble wanting to pull my dogs. I mean, every dog wants to pull to those old falls when they've just been sitting there, you know, for the last hour picking up birds right there, left and right. And then, uh, then the next thing you know, oh, we got to get a blind. And so, uh, you know, you've got to really work on that. And you've got to practice, practice, practice those types of situations. So, uh, you know, it's just, you've just you got to practice it and put your dog in those scenarios. And it's very hard for most people to do. Yeah. And so, uh, it's just one of those things that I, uh, you know, and I do a lot of, uh, a lot of questions people ask me about that and stuff. So I, I do explain it just like that and try to help people out to where they can try to simulate that by themselves. And that, and it's hard for them. Uh, but, um, you know, you just got to do it. It's tough. And that's why it's kind of good to send your dog off to a trainer. I'm not saying send it to me, but a trainer that, you know, can put your dog in those scenarios. You know, a lot of decoys, a lot of water, a lot of field work, um, live birds. And uh, because just throwing marks from your dog's side is not going to get you where you need to be when you go goose hunt with Cadillac Creek yeah. outfitters, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or anybody that's shooting a lot of birds. There's a lot yeah. of freelance guys out there that absolutely just kill the birds. And uh, you just got to, you know, you just got to put the, you got to put time into your dogs if you want your dog to be good. And it shows because it does show it when it doesn't, when you when you go out there and your dog is really bad, and hey, my dogs can be really bad some days. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, like they've never been trained before, and it's just they're an animal, and they have their good days and bad days. So, you know, you just got to practice it, and the pressure that we put on the dog with all the, you know, with all the birds, uh, is I don't know. There's not a whole lot of outputters out there that that do that i mean uh yeah you guys you guys absolutely murder birds like, yeah we do and <laughs> we're very blessed i mean yeah we're very very blessed to be able to uh have the landowners uh that we do and we keep you know good good relationships with them 
and because you've got to have the spots where the the, the ducks and geese want to be um because if you don't then you're not going to shoot them you can run some traffic on them and that's great but you don't shoot them like we do yeah oh no i so i i see your guys's posts all the time during the season and it's just like 100 bird days after 100 bird days and it's just like that's ridiculous yeah. to think about like <laughs> like i think yeah, us, yeah it's, it's it's cool us up in minnesota i want to say we shot like 800 birds last year and that's like in our area that's really good and so oh it's yeah <laughs> and then you go down there and you check out hunter bird day like it's nothing and i'm just like geez that's that's a whole different that's a whole different way of hunting and a whole different just scenario yeah i mean i think i think it was december uh the first three weeks of december maybe it was four weeks maybe it was a month we shot like 700 birds in that month (laughs) yeah but you know that that uh and it's great and we love it but the time that we put in oh you know to scouting uh we scout and scout and scout uh you know um it's it's amazing what a good scout can do and how we you can lock birds down or spots down with birds uh you know first thing in the morning you got scouts out and i mean they're calling immediately when they say oh there's six thousand birds right here okay (laughs) and then we get on the phone immediately you know we're, we're hunting, but we're making the phone call. Hey, you know, we need this. Hey, we need that. Can we get this? Yep. Okay. If it's a no, then okay. That's a no. Let's move on. So um, the scouting is the most important part of anything. Uh, you've got to be where the birds want to be. And if you're not where the birds want to be, yeah, you might can get a field over and run traffic on them. Uh, but you better be in the field that they're passing before they get to the field they want to be in. Because if not, you are not going to pull them away from that. Other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're not going to pull them away from that line of where they're going. Right. It's pretty. It's pretty tough to do that if you're, unless you're right underneath the field, like the line that they're going to be going to. Right. So it's you know, it's a. It's just one of those things that you've got to, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to put your time and your effort and your work in scouting. You got to find the birds, and uh, you know, some days it's tougher than others to find the birds. But, uh, but I tell you, it it's it pays off when you've been scouting and scouting and you can't find them, and all of a sudden you find them. And then you're like, oh, and then we make the phone call. And next thing you know, they say, yeah, y'all go ahead and get in there. Oh, man, it's, it's, you know, you feel so good about it. You're like, oh, man, we, because someday you're at the skin of your teeth to get in a place. Yeah. You know? So it's, it, it, it all has to work out. And, it, you know, if it doesn't work out, and man, it's, if it, you feel bad going to bed. Yeah. But, you know, our success rate's pretty good. Um, we don't have too many bad days. <laughs> and, and so, uh, 
you know, and, and you know, you run into years that you, it's tough. Oh yeah. Years that bad hatches you know, that, and stuff like that. Yeah. Bad hatches and not, they're not very good. Uh, you know, our water's not right or everybody's planted cotton and you know, there's, uh, not a lot of, um, grain on the ground. There's, you know, just more wheat. Yeah. Uh, it, it can, it can get tough. I mean, don't think it's, uh, and the traveling, like I think I put 25,000 miles on my, my Chevrolet last year, <laughs> just scout yeah. in four months. So, I mean, there is for the guys that think, man, I want to go guide for a living. Well, you better be ready to put a lot of miles on your truck yeah, and get your truck extremely dirty <laughs> and pop tires. And, I mean, it's just not, oh, we're going to go scout around. No, you're going to pop tires. You're going to go down roads that are absolutely muddy and you get stuck. Yeah. You know, yep. uh, some days <laughs> your truck breaks down in the, in the, in the middle of the field. You know, if yeah. you got the trailer on and then, or you you get stuck in the morning out in the field because it's muddy. Yep. And then you're like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, so, uh, I mean, a prime example is last year, Toby calls it like, oh gosh, it was time to be, we were meeting. And he's like, I just blew a tire. <laughs> like, okay. Um, I said, so what we need to do, cause he said chance was behind him. So yeah. they loaded the good thing about dive bomb decoys is we could load the majority of our spread in the two trucks and we dropped the trailer there and we loaded all the trucks and the blind, all the decoys and the blinds in the two trucks and we still made the hunt and we still killed limits. So, you know, if you were running nothing but full bodies, there would be no way you could have loaded and got hid and everything else uh, with full bodies. And I love full bodies. But yeah. Man, that dive, the, the dive bombs, I know Silhouette's been around for 100 years, but that sure helps that we had those that we could just throw them back in the trucks, just take off. We were there just a little bit late, but we still made it, and we still shot 50 birds that day. So yeah, um, it was a good, it, it's just a good thing to have those because if you were running other full bodies, that hunt would have not <laughs> went well at all. Yeah. They've they've absolutely changed hunting waterfowl. Like Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's unbelievable like what people can do now and the scenarios that you can be able to create for yourself with those decoys. Yeah, and you know, you don't have to have a goose trailer. No. You know, you can load them out. You can load 50 dozen in the back of your pickup and your blinds and you and your buddies can go out and set up a big spread and and shoot them yeah and get hit you know because hiding is besides scouting you've got to be hit no doubt you know if you're not hit now we've all had those days everybody oh man i was standing up in the decoys and they were landing in there yeah we have those days yeah but 98 percent of the time if you're not hit and you're not hit right, and your decoys around you are not placed right, you're not going to kill them. Them birds are going to look in there, they're going to give you a swing, and then they're going to get out of there, and that's it. And so, um, it, you know, and, and you learn something every time you go out hunting. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter, good, bad, or uh, you've learned something, you know, and some days, 
you know, he'll be out and he's like, man, we look exceptionally good. And those birds look at it and are like, that looks way too good. We're not getting in that. And so, you know, you'll move decoys around for 45 minutes and finally you get something, you know, you might get a little bit more wind. Uh, the sun might come up a little bit more. And, you know, just that little bit of change, boom, and, you know, the game's on. Yeah. And so uh, it, it's crazy how five more miles an hour of wind will change the way the birds set up and start doing it right. And uh, it, it's crazy. Or the sun gets up a little higher, you know. You know, it, it, it's just so many variables that have to be right for you to kill birds. Yeah. And people say, yeah, no, we want to kill them all the time and this and that. And, you know, people say, man, I love shooting birds on a cloudy day. I cannot stand a cloudy day. <laughs> I don't like overcast. I think those birds pick you apart. Yeah. I like bluebird sky days. I like about 15 mile an hour wind. And I think that's, I mean, that's my perfect condition. Cold, so then birds are hungry and want to work. You get in the hole and then you shoot them in the face. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very ideal. Yeah. That, give them the onion. That's what we say is give them the onion. Give them the onion? Where, uh, where does that come from? Chance came up with it and then I pretty much trademarked it. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, you just give them the onion, and that means we're fixing to kill everything that's flying. So, uh, but yeah, that's 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 been a good one. Uh, so, uh, we've got people. <laughs> I've I've seen people on Instagram now scream, "Give them the onion!" I'm like, "Yeah, it's getting <laughs> out there. People are liking it." So, yeah, when you... yeah, chance came. Chance came up. With it. Chance Bass came up with it, but uh, I made it sound cool. He, he makes it sound terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw when you shared uh, the story and you had a bunch of onion emojis. I was like, huh? I don't know. Yep. I don't really know what that's all about. And I was like, all right, fair enough. But now I get it. I love it. Yeah, get an onion. Get an onion. So, I see. Uh, yep. I see all the guy, a couple of the guys down there. Two of those wrapped shotguns. Yes, yeah. Uh, Toby started it, I think, three years ago with uh, Louis Vuitton dip, and that dude, he got like death threats over him. And they call him that him son, and then it just took off, and like you know, Co Wessel and. Yeah. drums and all them guys came out with us. Well, they've got dip shotguns like that, uh, you know. And so, and then Chance got one last year dipped uh, with it looks like the Wonder Bread. Yeah, Wonder Bread, you know. And so he always says we're gonna I'm gonna hand feed these suckers today. <laughs> so <laughs> that's but awesome. I've, I've got one. I've got one in the mix. I'm not sharing it because I don't want somebody to take my idea, but I am, I've got one get dipped. Uh, and so when uh, I'll break it out during the season and see what, how much trash I get talking about. But, <laughs> I can't wait uh, to see it. So, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not revealing it yet because I don't want somebody to do it. Oh no. Before me. So, but yeah, we got all sorts. I mean, 
Zach Cassie, he's a guy with us and a media, our, our media guy as well. He's got one that's got the Crown Royal uh, uh, sign on he does with pintails. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and it's pretty slick, like real slick. So, Where do you even uh, get them like that? How do you even get them made like that? There's guys all around that get them, man. I mean, there's... Uh, there's all sorts of guys. I can't remember the fellow that did Co Co Wetzel's, but uh, he does a really good job. He does a great job with it. Uh, I wish I had his name. I cannot remember his name. But uh, you can just go online and look it up. You know, how to dip your shotgun and guys. You know, be uh, companies and uh, people that do it, and they do a really good job. And so, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's kind of a fad. I mean, we're kind of you know we, we kind of make things and people kind of take it and think it's cool or yeah they either hate it but um i think that's what that attracts people besides us just killing birds is you know we're kind of a you know uh a guy goes i don't see it we don't know how it works because i was in the ranching industry for a lot of years okay and and then Toby was a, uh, a guitarist and he traveled around, you know, and he's got a lot of tattoos and stuff like that. And then we got Chance, which is Kunas from down south, <laughs> you know, and they're like, man, how does, how do y'all three even get together? And, 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 you know, because we're all different. I mean, but Chance is a farmer. Yeah. He's a farmer right now. Uh, but, you know, it, we just say, man, we get along. We make it work. It, it works, and you know we we love what we do. We love each other. You know we're pretty much like brothers. So yeah. we cuss and scream at each other. <laughs> uh, you know, by the middle of the season, we're you know we're always bickering back and forth. But at the end of the day, we're a team, and you know you got to have that. You got to have a team. And now that we've put on, you know, we've come in with uh, Cadillac Creek, Arkansas. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah, Ryan Martin and uh, Bradley Taylor and, and Ray over there. Man, them, them some killing guys. Bradley and Ray are some stone cold killers. Like, uh, them dudes are the type of guys you want on your side because them dudes are straight killers. Uh, Ryan does a lot of uh, media for them. And he's not, and that's who's doing our media. He's, he's great at it. He's the one who's been editing my. YouTube, my dog uh, training videos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a real hunt club. Uh, I'll tell you, it was, it, it's just a good, solid team. And those guys kill more specs than anybody I've ever been around. We went with them uh, last year. We traded a spec, early spec season for a uh, crane hunt. And we went up there and we shot two days first day we shot a 12 man limit the next day we shot 11 man limit i mean we were done i'm talking in an hour we were done they come off of it we're birds and they come in there and spin on us and just shot them it was just boom 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 and they did it all season i think their their kill percentage was 99.4 for limits uh 
you know, and so those guys just absolutely murder specs over there and are professionals and know how to do it. Yeah. And have lots and lots and lots of land over there. And I'm telling you, if, if anybody was wanting to go spec hunting and really wanted to do it, y'all need to get on with them because I'm telling you, that that is a first class outfit over there. We were we are happy that we're uh, we've got Cadillac Creek on their name because they are they are going to make that a big big operation over there. And uh, it's you don't find guys like that to kill kill birds like they do. I mean, them guys absolutely smack them. And know how to do it, like, and they know how to do it. And I mean, I'd put them. They just, they just belong with us. They belong under the Cadillac Creek Outfitters name because they're straight up killers, just yeah. like we are. And so it's a, it's a great team, man. It is a great team. Yeah, that's that's what you got to look for. You got to find guys that have the same goal as you and just want to kill and. Get people on birds and get them on hunts of a lifetime. Yeah, and we put a lot of people uh, on. You know, they come in and you know they've got they lease these these properties up to go duck hunting. Yeah, and they you know they go man, we just killed. You know, they're here two or three days. We kill more ducks and geese up here with y'all than we do all season long where I pay $3,000 a year to hunt. Yeah. And I said, well, just think of it. If you took your 3000 bucks and came up here and spent it with us, imagine the number of birds you would kill with us. With, you know, and he's, they're like, you're right. And I said, I know it's fun to go, you know, you have your camp and all that. That's part of it too. But if you're sure enough really wanting to go kill birds, Day in and day out, you you can't go wrong with you know fucking hunt with us and that and, and our it shows. I mean we we're full. We we opened our books. I think March, February, March, somewhere like that. We picked, we booked six hundred and eighty five hunts in forty eight hours. <laughs> yeah. And so that that tells you right there that the people that. The people that have hunted with us that would come the first year they came for two days and then the next year they'd come for five days and now they some of those guys stay 10 days you know 12 days 15 days and you know they just are eating it up there's yeah. like man weird <laughs> they're like <laughs> some of them stay that long like what are we gonna do with all this meat <laughs> he goes we just got our coolers are full like yeah. you better get another cooler you better buy another cooler so, yeah um, that's awesome yeah, it feels good yeah and you guys have a lodge in the works right now yes, too don't do. you yes we do we're in the middle of it right now I think we're about to break ground on it you know the COVID-19 kind of threw a little chink in the chain there but yeah we're back to rolling and uh, uh, I had dinner with Toby the other night and he said it's all go and so uh, the lodge is going to be uh, it's going to be awesome uh, the blueprints and the drawings it's it's unbelievable uh, 
And I think once it gets built, it'll be it'll be a high class, high class place. Yeah. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have ski out there so we can go shoot ski. Um, oh sweet. I'm working on some, you know, every now and then I'll take some guys on a pigeon hunt. Yeah. Uh, we're even talking about doing uh hog hunts at night with thermals. Oh, I got wow. a buddy that's that, that kind of doing that, you know, and so uh, the sky's the limit what we can do over there. Yeah. Uh, and the good thing is where we're thinking about buying it is right across the road is a playa lake. And I've got a duck blind on it and we kill a lot of ducks. There's a lot of waterfowl running through that spot. So you can sit drink your coffee or whiskey what you want to in the evening and watch birds yeah. ducks come flying in there you know and it, and, um, and part of that property that if he buys it which I think he's going to um, part of that ply is on the uh, property so we'll have a blind there too so oh wow it, it may, uh, yeah and so it's it's just a really good spot um, it's really nice good good views very quiet good roads to it so yeah um, but no it'll it is going to be a first class uh unbelievable so it'll i can't wait to see it up it's right down the road from my house yeah so um, it'll be great it'll be really good that's awesome do you know how many uh people it'll be able to sleep yet 20 okay yeah, that's great. We'll hold 20 guys, so uh, we will be able, be able to accommodate 20 guys. Um, you know, we're uh, putting the pheasant stand up, you know, do pheasant shoots out of the stand. Oh, wow. Uh, so, um, now this is not, this is going to be a really, really nice. And Toby has done it, him and his wife, Tina, have done a great job designing it. Uh, with architects and, and going over it and, uh, and making sure everything, every detail is great. It's, it's going to be um, top shelf. Like, I might not even stay in my house for the season. <laughs> I might just stay in the It's going to be the real deal Holyfield then. Yeah, it is. It's going to be great. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, that'll be a that'll be a nice addition for you guys. Oh, it'll be. It'll take us to the next level where we need to be, where we want to be. Yeah. And uh, that that will that is it. I mean, we we're already at the top by shooting birds. What we do in our you know our track record, but when you add a lodge like we're fixing to put up, man, that'll just even <laughs> that'll take us to on top of the pyramid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've. I mean, when I started out with this podcast, you guys, Cadillac Creek was one of the goals to have on. And so to be able to do it with you guys, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing, man. And uh, we, got a, we got another guy, Cole Brock, that comes down for a month. He's from Ohio. Okay. And uh, uh, so you know he, he adds a lot to it because he he shoots a lot of big geese up there. Yeah, and that's a him and Chance are calling machines like uh, them boys can call geese like you wouldn't believe. And uh, so we we've expanded our our crew over the year. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, 
Uh, we've added Zach Gassy, which is a great media guy for us. He sells lots of hunts for us. He, he does a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes things that we couldn't imagine doing, and he does a great job. Same with Ryan Barge. And then, you know, Colt is great with the call. Um, he's savvy. He's hunting. He's a killer. You know, and so, you know, you put all of us together, man, It we have got a the best to me of course i'm biased but we've got the best guides and the best outfit in texas and maybe the nation to be honest with you and i mean yeah it, you know people like man i'm i'm tired of going to canada and this that and the other and they come down like man this is about as close to canada as you can get like <laughs> yes, sir, that's right yeah it is yeah so, uh but I don't even know if they can hunt Canada anymore after what's going on with all the gun laws. Yeah. All that up there. Oh, yeah. They were talking about just like they took away ARs or they're taking them away or whatever. And then they were talking about shotguns, too, I heard. Something about that. Yeah. yeah that would kill a place where waterfowl is. I know that makes a lot of money for Oh my god, yeah. You know, up there, it's got to. That Yeah, that they brings should. in so much money with all the people coming up there and then all the outfits and then you have people eating in the small towns that are keeping those gas stations or little restaurants alive. Like, that would that would take a big hit on their economy. Yeah, that would not be good. That would not be good. No, and it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's, it's a good, you know, you know, from, from Canada all the way down to where we're at, even to Lubbock, you know, I mean, uh, that corridor, North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, we, there's a lot of birds that roll right through here. Oklahoma, of course, everybody knows about Oklahoma. Yeah. They, they just absolutely smashed birds over there. And, uh, but no, it's, um, they, there's just, we're just blessed to be where we're at, where the waterfowl want to be. Um, and we're just able to, to do this for a living. And yeah, it's stressful. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of work. And by the end of the season, man, we're, we've dropped 15 pounds. We're, <laughs> you know, we look like, you know, walking zombies. Yeah. Man. But we would, especially for the old guys like me, I'll be 40 in another month. So it's, there's nothing better. Yeah. Wake up in the morning and say, "Hey, guess what? I'm gonna go hunt for a living this morning." Yeah, that's a dream. So, yeah, it is. It is, and you know, but there's a lot of work to it. There oh, is yeah. a lot of work to it. <laughs> it's, you know, like Toby, we'll be calling each other here before we know it, and we'll have to go brush all the blinds. Yeah. You know, that's a. 20 blinds that's a lot of brush to go cut <laughs> brush them you know because we'll be getting ready for uh hopefully we get enough rain to keep the rain going we'll have a good teal season we don't guide teal hunts but okay shoot a few, but, uh, yeah. but grain season you know grain season opens on October 31st and uh you know that will be that that starts it off and so uh we don't uh, 
we don't stop from October 31st all the way to February 14th. So yeah, it's a it's a go 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 until you can't go anymore, and then you go some more. So, but it's it's a blast. There's a lot of people who wish they could do what I do and talk yeah. to these guys. You know. Oh yeah, how many days a week do you guys guide? Seven days a week. Seven days a week. Yep. Yeah. Only we take off Christmas Eve. Okay. Christmas Day. Yeah. And sometimes Thanksgiving, but not always. Okay. So. Yeah. So you guys are running and gunning. Yeah. Yeah, we're running gunning. So, you know. Run away through the season. We're looking for a, a eight o'clock beat down, and we're up and out of there by nine thirty. We can go catch us a quick nap before we go scout. So um, that'll that sure helps. <laughs> the sleep deprivation is what gets gets you. <laughs> oh yeah. I, so I mean, even even with us just hunting as much as I do, I mean, I couldn't imagine. Like seven days a week, setting spreads, doing all that. Like I, I have school and stuff, so I'm. I try to hunt two, three days a week at least, without like without harming my school and everything until I'm out. But I mean, yeah, you get tired. Oh man, you get tired. I mean, <laughs> you know, we put out a hundred plus dozen decoys every day. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, but you know what it is. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you get used to it, just like anything else. Yeah, exactly. Get out. Oh, the wind's here. Well, let's you know, let's move here and do this. Okay. Get the blinds out. Start setting the spread up. You know, we'll start setting the shape, and uh, Toby starts with the shape. Man, chance jump on the the decoys around the blinds and get the blinds hid. And then, you know, it all just kind of funnels together. Everybody's doing, and then we, you know, some of the guys come out and help that are the clients. And uh, so, but yeah, it's, it, it all has to work together and, uh, you know, but you get used to it. Everybody knows their job. If everybody knows their job, what they're doing, you just go and it gets put up. You go, you know, park the trucks and then you go and chill out and, I have your safety meeting and, and get ready to shoot some birds. Yeah. It's all about the chemistry. Yes, it is. That's that's the yes, biggest thing. It saves you a lot of time. Yes, it does. It, I mean, uh, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Uh, you know, it's, but man, you gotta, you gotta go the extra mile to kill them. Yeah. And when you start kind of shortcut oh i don't think we need this here let's just try this and then you don't have a good hunt you're like man you know what we should have just went ahead and did what we normally do yeah do our thing put it out there and kill so uh, even at the end of the year when you're trying to like man i am so tired (laughs) yeah you gotta do it yeah, it gets late in the year, starts to get cold, and then you're like, yeah, yeah oh, I hear it. Uh, you know, we got to realize, you have to be upbeat every day, because 
these new clients are coming in and they're on a beat. And so if you're just out dragging around being, you know, very blase, that's not good. They, they feel that, oh gosh, what's wrong with him? Yeah. But, you know, they're coming out, even if it's, if it's February 14th, you know, and it's the last day of the season and we are pretty much done. You're up, happy to see everybody shaking everybody's hand. Go put them out. Go find the birds. You know, it's just like day one. It's it's tough to do, but you got to do it because these clients are new. They're excited. Yeah. And they want to go kill them. And that's what you got to do. Yeah. And they pay their hard-earned money to come hang out with you guys and hunt with you guys. You got to give them that, give them that extra mile. That's right. You've got to do it. And yeah. Even though some days you were so tired or you're sick yeah you know you gotta do it and it doesn't matter you just gotta go do it so um but yeah it, it's it's a it's a great it's a great four months it's a great four months and uh i wouldn't want to do anything else for those four months you know what i'm saying oh yeah absolutely that's that's my favorite time of year is waterfall season one one any yep. other way. Yeah, it's it's pretty good, man. When that about <coughs> October, about October fifteenth, you can mark your calendar to it that you'll start seeing the cranes start moving in. Yeah, and you'll start hearing them here they come. You know, they'll be here about fifteen days early, and then they start really pouring in. You have a pretty good hunt. Uh, opening day and they just start pouring in as you're still hunting and finding them and then you get real excited when you're out there and you kind of get a first little cold cold snap you know and here comes you know 150 geese flying over you like uh oh yeah. <laughs> they're coming they're coming yeah so then you know it just you just get fired up and you start seeing ducks and, uh then it's all it all comes together and just go shoot them man it's just it's just fun to see clients you know hooting and hollering after they you know they've rained out 20 or 30 birds and then they're they're you know dads and sons are together and they're just man they couldn't they couldn't be happier so oh yeah and you guys it's really go ahead yeah i mean we have tons and tons of kids that come out with us to hunt uh, with their dad sometimes the whole families and they just uh, they absolutely eat it up and we just we do too because we like to see that yeah uh, you don't see that much anymore kids coming out and hunting with their dads and moms and all that yeah it's yeah I see that just around my age as well you don't see I mean you see people hunting but not not as much as I mean, they should be. There's a lot of, a lot of kids that just aren't into it anymore. No, and it, it's sad. Yeah. It's very, very sad that, uh, that they're not into it. They, you know, oh, we don't, we're not around guns, scared of guns. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they're just, I don't know, it's just, just totally different. Man, we, when we have kids, man, we try to, we try to set them up or they can get their shot on a bird, you know, a bird lands in the decoys. Yeah. And get up shooting. You know, no one else shoot besides dad. Dad, you can back him up. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, even up here, like some of my buddies that don't hunt that I've taken out, once they go out once, they love it, and they're like, hey, man, when can I go again? Like, it's just people People need to be introduced to it, and then once they are, it's it hooks you. That's all it, it does, is. Especially if, you're on, especially if you're on a good hunt. You know, you don't ever want to take kids out yeah. on the first hunt where it's 20 degrees and it's absolutely freezing. Yeah. Uh, unless you're fixing to go tear them up. You're going to get to see a lot of very hard action. Yeah. You never want to do that to a poor kid, you know. Uh, I always like to take my son out teal hunting because it's, it's warm. And, I mean, he's been doing it since he was three. But... He sure likes those warm tail hunts. You know, he'd be in a short sleeve shirt. Yeah. And uh, enjoy it instead of just sitting there freezing to death. Yeah. Oh, it's a great way for families to connect, too. I mean, go hang out yes, with your dad or mom, whoever wants to take you out. It's just a great bonding experience. Yep. Yep, yeah. it is. <laughs> with your guys's. Teal season. Do you guys shoot cinnamon teals? Yeah, we do. We've, uh, what was it? But uh, well, our teal season's up and down because our water, if it'll start raining about August, yeah, uh, it gets some good rains. Uh, we'll have a June up teal season. But the deal about the teal season is we'll get a cold front about the 15th, 16th of September sometimes the 20th and you know cold front will hit it'll be 45 50 degrees for the high well them teal are out of there yeah and so uh but you know if, if at all if the weather works with us and is on our side about it we can shoot a lot of teal and we shoot cinnamon teal uh, we were on a hunt i guess it's four years ago that's all we shot was cinnamon teal Oh wow! So, um, yeah, Lubbock gets a lot of cinnamon teal. Uh, Lubbock gets a lot of cinnamon teal. Do they have a restriction down there for like how many cinnamon teal you can shoot, or is it still the same? Still the same. You can shoot six cinnamon teal. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. And then you guys get the nice plumage bluings too, like up in Minnesota. You'll never see a blue wing teal in plumage uh, when yeah, we shoot. Yeah, we don't. Them. We don't either. We don't either. Oh, now, really? They get to, yeah, we don't get blue wing. I mean, me and Toby's uh, always talked about shooting them. If we ever shoot a full plume blue wing, it's going on the wall. Yeah. Um, no, we don't get them. They're, you know, uh, I shot one a few years ago that started kind of getting the moon on his face a little bit, but yeah. Now. We don't get them there, you know. They're just brown with blue wings, so oh wow, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, we don't, we don't get them. I wish we did. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's that'd be one of the things I'd like to be able to shoot is a full plumage blue wing teal, because that's that's one of the things that'd just be so cool to see. I need to go down to Louisiana. That gassy kills them all the time. Down there. Oh yeah. Uh, Cause you, you guys have, cause where do the teal go? Do they stay in your area or do they head even south? No, they, 
they take off. They're gone. Blue wings yeah. will be gone. Now, we shoot a lot of teal, like cinnamon teal. Yeah. And I mean, uh, green wing teal yeah. and stuff, but the blue wings, they're gone. You know, they'll be gone and that'll be that. But uh, then they take off and head south, so. Oh, wow. Uh, they hit the coast and they're gone, so. Yeah. But. We do get a lot of mallards, tons of mallards, tons of pintails. Uh, I wish our pintails were five or six piece because <laughs> uh, we, we get so many pintails that you'll go look on a, on a piece of water and there'll be 3,000 ducks on it and it'll be all pintails. Jeez. So you're like, well, we can't hunt that because we got 10 guys and that little hunt will be over before it even started. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things. But, you know, a lot of guys come up and they shoot their first full sprig, you know, up there. And they're like, man, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we get lots of, we get lots of mallards, lots of pintails, widgeon, you know, not too many gadwall. Okay. Um, not too many gadwall. I mean, you shoot them here and there, but not too many. Uh, we shot a wood duck or two okay um, which is very surprising since there's no trees anywhere <laughs> yeah but uh, but no man now that's now that's a price for us up here we hear a wood duck coming in uh, yeah everybody is um, most of the time they're in with the teal with yeah. the green wings they're rolling there with the green wings somebody shoot you know you shoot into a water 50 <laughs> you know yeah right at daylight well they go to dogs go to picking birds up but oh, somebody shot a wood duck <laughs> then everybody starts fighting so yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's way different for us that's all there is early season is just wood duck after wood duck yeah it's crazy to think just different parts of the country hold hold different birds different environments yeah there's nothing like a bunch of big old green heads walking in we we oh, actually yeah. chance has a photo of a white mallard we took it last year while we were hunting we were hunting ducks oh wow and it was a fully white mallard it had the brown on its chest you know from the neck down yeah where it does and then it was white all the way across the big horn bill that's so cool we did everything in our power to call that sucker in. It almost did. We almost gave it out of you, but he got out of there. Yeah. So, I told him, I said, that, you know that thing's got to be made. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's got a photo of it. He took a photo of it. It was awesome. Yeah, that's sweet. I've seen, I've seen like a half one, half white up in Minnesota, but... I mean, even that was like, you could tell when he was in the, or when she was in the flock, you could tell which one that was pretty easily. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I was like, oof, come a little closer and that one's going on the wall. Yeah. And you guys, is it a nesting ground or like, um, for the geese and the cranes and all that kind of stuff, they all stop kind of in Texas, right? Or Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, 
you know, on a good year, we can hold three to four hundred thousand lessers, and then we can hold uh, at least 70, 60 to seventy to eighty thousand ducks. Oh wow! And, you know, uh, twenty thousand cranes. That time, you know, but a lot of times after the cold hits, the cranes move down towards Lubbock and south of Lubbock and all that. Okay. So, uh, but I tell you what's crazy: you go two hours south southeast of us, there's a pile of specks in that area. Huh. So it's just weird. I mean, we're starting to get more specks uh, each year, but uh, you know, uh, it's it's kind of weird just how it is. But, yeah, we we haul a lot of birds, and we got the water. You know, and, and good feed on the ground. We haul a lot of built lots of uh, of waterfowl. Yeah, and that's just different for me too. Because when we hunt all season, we're getting new birds like every week and so they're seeing different stuff all season long like they once they come down it's just you're getting new birds and the birds that have seen your decoys or whatever they move out and so for you guys i can imagine they keep seeing the same thing and so it gets harder to hunt them they do but you know we get we get pushes too they leave you know i mean if you think about it from from our from up there uh, north of Amarillo to Lubbock, it's not a very long jaunt for those birds. Yeah. You know, you know that's they'll be there in forty five minutes. So they move south, but when they start moving, we get pushes. You know, we can get pushes. It's just like anywhere else. They migrate further south than us. Okay. But, um, you know, a lot of but a lot of them move back and forth. You know. Yeah. You'll be you know you'll be watching the spot and there had been a uh, a bird around there and then you go back a week later and it's just stacked with birds. Yeah. Well, those birds either moved in overnight from either south, you know, during the middle of the season, either they came back up a little bit or new birds have pushed in or pushed over or, you know, those those birds travel. It's amazing how far those geese scout. You can watch them get off the lake, you know, and they, they might show 40 miles and land in, you know, a cornfield or something. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them where they get up from one ply, you follow them 20 or 30 miles and they go land in another ply. <laughs> So, I mean, there's, you can't ever tell what they're going to do. You just do your best, do the best you can scout, and then set up on them and see if you can kill them. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. That's, that's pretty, uh, pretty neat. Just the way you can see them and how far they'll travel just to get out of, like, even for us, they know we're, a lot of people hunt so when they when they start getting shot up they try to move a little farther and farther and then they learn this area is safe or there's more food over here or whatever it is yeah for sure and that's that's another thing with people scouting around here they just they have you'll see people scout and they only scout one area all year long and then they wonder why they don't shoot a ton of birds. That's right. That is exactly right. And 
when you don't have a big population of birds, um, you you know you're setting yourself up for failure. Big time. <laughs> yeah, uh, doing it that way. And, but then again, the people that really want to go kill birds, they're fixing to go try to look somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and now if you got a bunch of buddies like, oh, I'm not getting up. You know, at three o'clock in the morning, and we're gonna drive two hours to go kill these birds. Well, then you just don't invite those friends anymore. And <laughs> you find friends who want to go drive two hours to go kill the birds. Yeah. Oh, exactly. You just gotta put in the time and find out where they're at. And the another thing is too, like people don't understand different areas are good in different parts of the season, like you'll have a spot in December that holds a ton of birds, but if you go look there in September, there's not going to be anything there. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they move. There's just different spots. We've got spots that, uh, birds are for the majority of the year. And then they move a little bit further. Uh, and so you you just like oh they're over here now this is where they want to be you know yeah. they they get going and they get in and settle in and figure out okay we're gonna hang out over here now you know we've been shot over here a little bit so we're gonna move over here to uh, this part of the world and so we know where they're at especially when they're in certain spots that we've been shooting them and they kind of get spread out or thin that's the first places we go let's go over here let's go over there because in years past that's where they go and so that's where they are they moved over <laughs> there you know and it's just that time of year that they do move over there and so um, the things that makes the waterfowl move is a lot of rain and gunfire yeah cold weather and so if you don't have a whole whole lot of cold weather and you have a whole whole lot of gunfire they're moving they're only going to hang out for so long they'll get the heck out of there and go find somewhere else that they can uh be safe a little bit so yeah and for us too like when everything freezes over and they start going to those little rivers and hanging out in the little rivers and then the fields around there that's what people don't look for either I mean, you think once the lake's frozen over, that's the end of your season. And it's like, no, you just got to go 30 minutes, 45 minutes west or east or whatever it is to find those little cricks or whatever's still open. And then you'll be back on. Either super deep water or running water. They'll be there. Yeah. Oh, exactly. But I also wanted to go back to dogs with you and what to look for in picking out a gun dog well if you're gonna go pick a puff out you go get the best bred dog that you can afford um watermarks kennels um produces the best in my opinion all around dogs, they're field trial bred dogs. They're, you know, they're out of NFC dogs, all FC dogs. Yeah. Great females, high drive, very great trainability. Um, that's 
where it starts. You have to look at pedigree. You hear all your buddies, oh, I got a buddy that paid $200 for this dog. That's the greatest <laughs> dog I've ever seen. Okay, that is great. Yeah. That's good. I'm happy that he's that way. But day in and day out, you have to go find a dog that is going to hit the ground and have a great mind to be able to be trained. Because a good train, trainable dog, smart, athletic, uh, you're going to, yeah, you pay $2,000 $2,500 for this pup, but you're going to save that in the long run in training yeah. if you send it to a trainer. And I tell people that all the time. If you uh, will look and get the best pedigree you can, and mother's titles, her blinds are just as important as the male. They're actually, the mother's actually more important than the male is. Oh, really? Because the mother's once carrying, yes. A female line is stronger than the male line. And if you are got some mediocre female, okay, you're you're producing that you're over this powerful male, you have no idea what it's going to be. You need to know. You need to say, well, I've seen this female run. I've seen seen her hunt. Yeah. She is a, she's a beast. And I've seen this male hunt. He's a beast. Okay. Then you got something going. Mm-hmm. You need to look at pedigrees that they have bred. They have line breeding as well. You know, they've got, well, they've breed this FC dog to this FC female, and they've also got it up here, you know, on the, on the dad's side as well. Well, there's a reason why they're, it's there. They like the qualities those two dogs had, the male and female, so they're trying to keep that going in their lines. And I have seen it time and time again. And, you know, you get dogs and people are like, man, what should I go get? I tell them, and they go buy a $200 dog, and they wonder why this dog has no drive, no pride, prey drive, no, you know, not a lot of drive at all to do anything. Yeah. And it, it's, the dog has to want to do it at some point. You know, you, you can't put drive in a dog. You can take some drive out of a dog, but you can't put it in them. Yeah. They've got to have the natural ability to want to go. You can help them with the prey drive and stuff like that. But you've got to buy the best dog you can afford. And, and 200 bucks is that it? Okay, that's it. Then we just got to try to make it work. Yeah. But I get clients all the time that say, hey, I bought this dog. It didn't work a good dog so what am I going to do and I say you need to go buy this type of bred dog from this person which I always point everybody at Mary Tatum Watermark's Kennels she's down there in Giddings she is she's a vet she's retired and she has the best bred Labradors around she has been studying field trial breeds hunt test breeds forever and she knows what breeds do good what lines of dogs go good with other lines of dogs and what is going to be the best dogs out there and 
Uh, her track record is unbelievable. She bred Watermark Shadow, which is the top Derby dog. She yeah. bred Watermark's Running Back, which is a national field champion. You know, she's bred all, I mean, everything. Howdy. It's an FC dog. Boss, FC dog. I mean, that's her track record is unbelievable. Of watermarks. If you go and a judge sees at the end of the day when they're giving ribbons out and they say watermarks this, they go, oh, that's a Mary Tatum dog. Oh, that's a Mary Tatum dog. They know it. People in the dog business know watermarks kennels. Yeah. And that's where I buy all my dogs from and that's where I will always buy my dogs from. And they're not cheap. They are not cheap. (laughs) Yeah. But Here's the thing. If you want top-notch field trial dog, a top-notch hunt test dog, or a top-notch gun dog, you go right there, and you will get your best all around. I mean, she's got one dog. He's dead now, but she's still got frozen semen. He's a FC dog. He's a hunt retriever champion. He's a master hunter, and he's an SRS winner. I don't Jeez. know what else you need. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That is that is every that's the playing field all the way across. So, um, it, and it's amazing, and I think we need to. I would like to see more field trialers do that. You know, after they get their dog FC and whatnot, why don't you go get a high retriever champion, Tom Master Hunter, and that type, and just have a all around well dog that can do all of it, and that just especially for breeding purposes because some people are scared of field trial breeds because some of them are loud on the line you know they bark okay kind of really high drive to the point it's annoying yeah uh, you know you know they're just extremely too high drive yeah but if you learn how to deal with that drive and keep it keep it under wraps you can have a absolute phenomenal dog everybody's like wow where did you get that? That is an outstanding dog. And that's what, when you're hunting, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. You know, and, and I've had people come up to me. You there? Yep. Okay, but you know, where did we stop right there? At the 100? Yeah. Okay, they gave $100 to me for a good dog work but the next thing you know sometimes my dog doesn't look great they have their bad days and that's what people got to realize and I get so frustrated that oh they just had a bad day today it's just part of it they might be tired you might have hunted them four or five days in a row and y'all just shot him and he's been retrieving and retrieving and retrieving and you know he's tired and his day off and but the pedigree is the number one thing you look for. And when you go pick a puppy, I like a, a puppy that when you go in to the puppy pen, they come running up to you. I don't like the ones that stand off. Yeah. I want one that wants to be with me. And when I walk, they stay with you and have good eye contact with you. You know? Yeah. That's where the, I'm talking about the trainability comes into it. They, they're around you. They want to be around you. You know, then you get you a little bumper or whatever and, you know, play with them or a little toy or whatever you want to do and see. But I want a puppy that wants to be with me. A puppy that kind of stays off, 
you know, you pedal with it for a minute, then it runs off, doesn't want to be around you. Um, not saying they're not going to be good dogs, but we're looking for trainability. Yeah. And a dog, a dog that wants to be with you is going to want to please you and do everything it can to to do what you're asking. And so um, that's that's where you that's where I think a lot of people come up short. You know, they don't. They've seen this male dog. Oh, he's great. I want a pup out of him. Well, they breed it to some female that sits at the house all day <laughs> and does nothing. Yeah. You know? Well, you're already putting your chances, already knocking your chances back of having a good dog because you're throwing it out of this female that you have. She has no drive, obviously. Or, I mean, she won't even retrieve a tennis ball. So, there you go. Now we're going to get into... Well, I mean, I tried to get out of this dog and it didn't work out. Well, that mother's line is extremely strong. Very strong. I mean, she carrying those things. Do you not think she puts a little bit of something more <laughs> into those pups because she's carrying the pups? Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, it that mother's line, that female side is extremely, extremely important. I think people need to really look at it and study the female side of the, the bloodline more than the male side. And people are like, oh, I've never thought that. Well, you need to. Because this is, you know, we're trying to get you the best dog you can have. Yeah, oh, exactly. You know, and sometimes the dog just doesn't work out. Sometimes, you know, not all... Labradors want to retrieve. You know, they do, but they don't want to do it like what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, where they get training, you know, get through it, that hand signals and sitting on the whistle. And, um, and some just don't. And it's okay with that. You know? Yeah. But um, but that's where I would be is I would, I would try to buy the most expensive puppy that you could out of great bloodlines, mother and father, and watch the mother's lines and see what's going on there. Go look back, you know, two generations on that mother's line. Is there any titles there at all? Is there anything there? You know, I always try to find titles with the females. You okay. know? Yeah. Always. And not just a started hunter or a junior hunter. We're talking season, yeah. you know, season hunter, hunt, you know, HR, master hunter, hunt retriever champion, FC, AFC, all that. Qualified all age. It'll say QAA on it. I mean, yeah. look for the females' lines because that is more important to me than the male lines. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Do you have a? Uh, do you like male or female dogs when you're getting a gun dog? Is there a preference for you? Man, I'll be honest with you. If you can find a really good female, a really good female is their heartbeat. Problem is, they come into season. You know, they come into heat. Let's hope they don't come into heat right in the middle of the season. Yeah. But you know, I've got four females. Okay. And the rest are all males out of my 24 dogs right now. Okay. 
And so, I mean, everybody wants a male because of that reason, because female. And for the most part, a male is more high drive than a female. Yeah. But I've got a female right now that I'll be hunting with. Uh, her name's Watermark's Ember. And uh, she's actually, uh, she's a very good female. And she's not big, but she is extremely fast. And uh, y'all be seeing some video of her uh, during that season. I'll be hunting three young dogs. Like my older dogs, I tell my older dogs, my oldest dog is uh, 16 months old right now. So, oh, wow. So I don't have uh, older dogs. I, I sold my my old dog, Hammer. Everything's on. He's on Instagram and yeah. all that. Last year, I sold him to a friend of mine, Matt Smith. So, but he'll be back in uh, next month for training. He's gonna run. I'm gonna run him during grain season. But uh, I've got I've got three uh, Embers, 13 months old, Torch is uh 16 months old ambush is 16 months old so uh those are three dogs that be running i've got some client dogs i'm gonna run a little bit too so yeah uh, but they're you know my dogs are big ambush is 100 pounds right now oh wow he's 100 uh torch is 75 you know hammer's 90 uh and then Ember, you know, she's 65. She's just a little girl. Yeah. So, but Toby's dog, Rooster, he's 80 pounds. Yeah. 80, 85 pounds, you know. Uh, and so, you know, big dogs. A lot of guys from South Louisiana don't like big dogs. They say they don't get around good and harsh, but not. But what I do day in and day out, I want a 100 pound beast. Yeah. You know, that's hard charger. And, uh, yeah, I think big dogs, especially for up here, are better just because of those big late season honkers or whatever time of year, just the big geese, just to be able to hit them hard and be able to carry oh, yeah. them. Yeah, that cranes, you know. I mean, that's why <clears throat> Hammer's an expert in the crane department. Uh, cranes are no joke. And uh, he uh, he gives the old crane the old onion. He runs out there and smacks him. <laughs> so he, uh, uh, we put the red specs on him. Uh, his vest. Yeah. He rolls out there. He puts it on the birds. Them suckers ain't no joke. They are big. Man, they're big. They don't play around. Yeah, they. I've heard they just pack at them and. Really beat him up. His wings laying out. Yeah, dude. He just he just jumped back up, started eating wheat. I was like, good, nah. <laughs> that sucker's still alive. <laughs> but, yeah, those those cranes they don't play around, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big geese up here they'll hit you and they'll try to bite you and stuff. But a crane's a whole different scenario because they got that sharp beak. And, Very much so. Uh, Sharp claws. Yeah, the talons and everything. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be careful with those things for sure. Yeah, they're good too. They're unbelievably good teams. Yeah, that's what, that's what I've heard. Everyone's told me they're amazing to eat. 
I've never had one, but I heard they're very delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll tell you, speaking of dog, like, Clint Bittner had a, a female last year. Yeah. Year before last. And it fits, you know, she was short, fat, and, you know, did, she didn't want to do anything yeah. besides lay around and eat. And so I was like, man, this dog is really, I mean, this was a puppy program. I was like, man, I don't know. What's gonna happen here? So we kind of kept going. I was like, man, she just ain't doing it. I had some pups. Uh, Lincoln Coleman bred some pups and, uh, out of Louisiana. Had a, a master national dog out of a, uh, an old female that ran derbies and uh, had some derby points and stuff. Yeah. And so we, he bought one of them. His name's Deets. And that sucker's a powerhouse, you know. He's 70 pounds, and we're doing starting new hand signals with him. I mean, that dog is going to be a beast this next year during hunt season. And uh, it's just uh, it's just amazing. Once again, we went back to the breeding. You know, the dad is a master national, hunt retriever champion, master national. Yeah. His dad is Pat. Which is a Hall of Fame field trial dog, you know. Yeah. So, you know, mother is a derby dog. Her mother qualified all age. You know, there we go again with the breeding. That mother's lines, and so, yeah. I mean, all those pups. I've had five out of six, and they're all hunting dogs, and they're all good. I've actually got two of them on my truck right now, going to a HRC test. You know, they're 11 months old. So, yeah. we're, but it's all about the breeding. All about the breeding because you don't have the breeding. Most of the time, you don't have a dog. Yeah. Have you ever thought about breeding dogs? Yeah. I, I mean, Rooster is out of my female, okay. Toby's dog. Uh, but she's old now and she's done. But Amber is going to be. When I get her titled, uh, she is going to be my breeding stock. And the two males, Ambush and Torch, are going to be my other two. Now, Ambush, his dad is a national field champion, and mother was a derby dog, solo. And so, there you go. You know, it's all their mothers have all been uh, running derbies, uh, field trials, you know, all that. And then Torch, he's out of uh, field champion, PF, coal, burning, fire, and cooking, which the lady Missouri owns. And his mother's the North Star. And if you go on Bill Hillman's uh, videos of his uh, land fundamentals and all that, she's in that. She's made a exceptional hunting dog, family dog, unbelievable. And she ran some derbies as well. So, you know, there's there that's gonna be my breeding stock along with uh Mary's gonna breed her a little bit too. Okay. And so uh but yes, we're <laughs> but I'm not gonna breed her till she's she's uh she's titled. So yeah. And until she's two years old. You know, uh don't wanna have any puppies too soon on her. Yeah. So what age? What age do people usually start breeding females and stuff like that? Well, 
know, you hear it, you know, well, I got started hunting on this dog and she's she's a year old, so we're gonna start having puppies out of her. Well, I don't really like doing that. I like to wait till they're two, yeah. three, you know. And then but I like that. They get on two here. And uh, you know, and some dogs, you know, you gotta watch their heat cycles. Some of them come in, some of them don't. Some of them have a three-day cycle, a short cycle on you. I mean, it's a there's a whole different world to that breed. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just gotta get into it, and figure it out. But um, I think Ember is going to be a great little brood dog in the future. And so we'll uh, we'll be running some 806 dot gun dogs out of that. They'll be top shelf hunt, hunt test dogs and uh, gun dogs. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun to see. Yeah, it will be. I'm very excited about that. And um, for when people get a puppy, what would you say is the most important thing to do with a young dog? when you're starting to get it into training or training yourself or whatever it is? The first seven weeks of a puppy's life are the most important. Socialization, being around people, starting crate conditioning, uh, you know, walking on a lead, doing all sorts of things. But structure in a puppy's life or no structure in a puppy's life <clears throat> goes a long way in a trainer if you decide to take it to a trainer and you have not done anything for this dog because everybody's got this inclination hey I need to take this dog when he's five months old because we're going to start training in six months well what have you done for the first five months oh he's sitting in the house he doesn't listen <laughs> it's you can't keep him on a lead. You got to keep him on a lead all the time because he runs off. Yeah. He doesn't know his name very well. So what they've done for the first five months of the dog's life is condition this dog to not listen, let it know that it's running the show, and then they wonder why it's so hard to get his brain <clears throat> turned around where he's listening. You take. You have to get him listening listening they have to listen to be trained so we've got to get them listening yeah okay he can go out and retrieve that's great but he goes and picks it up and takes off and runs off and doesn't know his name it won't come back to you this that and the other so you got to put a big lead on him and so we're doing very short little marks and trying to teach to come back to you yeah they, people are like, well, I'd rather not mess. No, you would, I would rather somebody mess with them and at least start something and trying to make a sit command right. Sit with a treat is unbelievable. You tell a puppy to sit, push his little butt down, sit his head to the ground, you give him a treat. You do that three times, and that puppy will come up to you and be sitting, ready for another treat. It's that easy. If you can make a dog sit, at an early age and start understanding that there is 
limits to what they get to do. Yeah. And have structure. It's just like a kid. You know, they got to have structure in their life. Baby's crawling around, grab something that's not supposed to, tries to put it in his mouth. No, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to, you know, that's not it. And they understand they can't grab it. Same with a puppy. You've got keep structure in the puppy's life. I know they're cute, fun. You just want to hug them and all that. But you also need to have structure. I don't care if you're going to train the dog to retrieve or not. It's going to be a house dog. Yeah. Get trained. Needs to learn how to be in a kennel. And be kennel condition. It needs to be learned how to fed in a kennel and water in a kennel. Let out, back in, be a part of the family. When we're tired of you, you're going to go back there, be quiet. You're going to sit so you're not all over us because you're going to be a big dog. Yeah. I don't want you jumping on my five-year-old son and knocking him over or a neighbor's kids yeah. or somebody coming in, coming over to visit. It all goes together, regardless if you're going to make a waterfowl dog or just a house dog. They have to have structure. There has to be. Sit means sit. We're not going to say sit 11 times, and finally on the 12th time, you're going to make the dog sit. No, sit is now. I don't care if you have to push their butt down. Sit. Because what the dog's doing is conditioning you to say sit 11 times, and then on the 12th time, he'll sit. It is a repetition thing that you just keep saying, keep saying, and they'll just keep looking at you and not paying attention to you. And boom. Yeah. So there it goes back again to what I was talking about a puppy. A puppy that wants to look at you, be with you, and have eye contact with you is going to want to do those things a lot easier than a very independent dog that wants to be by itself, not bother to listen to you. So it all goes hand in hand. Get your puppy home. Love it. Make sure you feed it right. Get the best dog food you can afford. You pay a lot of money for a dog, better go start getting really good dog food. You if you're in a pro plan, I use the Sport Mix Canin X. It's a 3225. It's really good stuff. But you can start feeding them half a cup in the morning, half a cup in the evening. Need to be fed right. You know, they're. We just don't go get them old Roy and start feeding that crap to them. Uh, it's terrible stuff. Don't go get bad dog food. Feed your dog. Yeah. Uh, nutrition is a big thing. Even if it's a house dog, you want this dog to live for 14 years. So, you know, exercise in the backyard, but don't overfeed the thing either. Make sure, I mean, it's all up. It's all a thing. Feed your puppy right. You want your puppy to be healthy and everything to get really good dog food. And you've got it. It's, it's, a, it's a balance. I've got a puppy. I spent a lot of money on them. I spent a lot of money on dog food. So you got that. A little bit of a, you know, supplement. That sport dog flex is the greatest stuff I found. It's unbelievable. You put a little of that on, even when they're puppies, put a little water in it and they'll eat it. It's wonderful. And your dog's coat will be shiny. You don't have to feed them much. Their teeth will be healthy. Their eyes will be good. Um, it's a whole lot of stuff that people don't study 
about when you get a dog. There is so much as a puppy. Structure, good nutrition, and practice what you're doing. Sitting, great. Go back to kennel, you know. Going back there, you're gonna get fed there. Uh, we've got little puppies at the house right now that I'll let them out and they know exactly where to go. They go straight to the door. Open the door, they go use the bathroom, they come out, they go back in, they get fed, they come back out, we do puppy program, let them run around and play that time, and then back in, you know, to the next time. Yeah. But, you know, they're inside and all that. But that structure, the dog's understanding, okay, I'm here, I'm asleep, I'm going to do This is my house. This is where I'm going to be. When I let him out, you go use the bathroom first, get your drink, then we'll go play, or you're going to get fed. Labradors like the same stuff every day. They like a routine. And if you can get them in a routine, the training goes great. But then the training, you know, you start moving around to different locations and stuff. That kind of puts them out of the routine, but they start understanding. They get the trailer, they get in the crate. Yep. It's all the same. They know something's going to happen, or they're going to go in there and sit there for a while until you're done with what you're doing, and you let them back out. And it's structure. Puppies need structure. Once they're house broke, that's great. Then hang in the house, be around the house, but they'll chew everything. So. Uh, you know, then you got to work on chewing. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what I do. Seven weeks, first seven weeks to get the dog structured into what you're doing, what your plan is. Have a plan for your puppy. Good nutrition, and just stay with it, and you'll be amazed how much smarter your dog is, and how much more your dog wants to do with you. He's listening because he already knows how to sit. He already knows how to go back to kennel. And after he does start going to his crate, you say, Kittle, get him a dog bed if he's going to hang out in the house. And you just say, Kittle, and show him the dog bed. He'll go get in there and make him sit in. Then he'll finally lay down, or you can start working on down. But that's his other place. He's got two places in the house he goes when you're tired of him being on the couch or whatever. Structure in a dog's life is most of importance that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're, let's say you're training with a young pup, um, do you like the treat method where every time they do something good, you give them a treat? Or what's your kind of thought on like those early stages on how to get them, get them listening to you and get their focus like very much on you? I do like the treat method on sitting. Okay. I like the treat method going into, say, when they go in their kennel, you give them a treat. You know, I don't give them a treat on everything they do good. Yeah. Because I'm not buying that many treats. I've got a lot of puppies. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but what you can do is, I mean, I don't disagree with the clicker trade, you know, clicker treat, clicker treat, clicker treat, you know. That's great, but it's kind of funny you ask that. We just had a discussion with Bill about it, and he actually brought it up. The problem with the clicker that we have found, it's all great at about a 30-foot circle. Okay. But when the dog's out a remote from you, he can't hear the clicker. Yeah. He can't get a treat. 
good is what we say. Every time a puppy does something good or a dog, if a dog's fixing to reach for a bumper, they went out, you know, at 100 yards, he screams, good. He understands that's good, you know. I like treats on sitting. If a dog's not wanting to pay attention to you a lot, you can use that treat. But we use the bumper. You know, we use the bumper to get their attention up at us. Okay. But if... If the bumper doesn't work, then yeah, we'll go to a treat to get eye contact. We want a lot of eye contact, tons of eye contact. Because yeah. they, they learn from an early age, if I do what he wants me to do, I'll get this treat or I get to play with the bumper and go retreat. And so we've got it. Bill's got a video out called The Game, okay. which is just revving the dog up and getting very excited, peak excitement. And then shutting it off and telling them to sit and then getting them excited again. And, you know, and then boom, they start fetching that bumper. And you're already at eight weeks old working on force fetch because you're getting in front of them. They're playing, they're chasing, you're working on prey drive, them chasing something. And you keep working on them chasing that bumper as you're running around with them. And finally, they'll snack, they'll reach out there grab for it and when they do let them have it and say fetch and all of a sudden that becomes a a great thing you yeah. start going hey 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 and boom they reach out fetch it and you're already working on sports fetch at a very very early age and Mary Tatum's the best in the world at it she can get a dog a puppy fetching and holding a bumper and walking around with it and I'm talking three sessions it's amazing to watch her do it. It is absolutely amazing. And there, you know, there's, then they go into no, there is no ear pinch or, uh, you know, or toe pinch or anything like that. They just reinforce the command the puppy's been knowing for four months after they've collar conditioned, you know. And so eye contact with a treat is great. Unbelievable. I love treats, it's easy. They, they love doing it. You know, they like it because they're getting something. Um, get little treats that they can chew. Sometimes you get those big ones that's hard for them to chew them up. But, um, but yeah, it's treats are wonderful. That can be the biggest friend you have in training a puppy. Really can. Oh, yeah, I can, I can imagine that'd be a big game changer for it. You know, for a lot of years, I didn't like it, and I was like, I ain't doing it. But I started getting into it just to see, and man, I I really do like it. I really do like it it's because it naturally does. They actually naturally sit, you know, after they realize they get a bumper or they get a treat, and then they look up at you like, okay, where's another one? And then you praise them for looking up at you, so you might give them another one or a half one, you know. And so the eye contact is always there, and it's just. And it's, it's all just good, and they're having a good time. They're getting trained, and they don't even know it. They just know that there's a treat there, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to look at him. But they don't, you know what I'm saying? It's nothing like, oh, I'm, I'm in training right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the treats are a good thing, a very good thing. Yeah. Another thing I was uh, thinking about is when you're training with a dog and – if they start to like 
I know if you train too long with a dog, then they start getting bored and stuff like that. What's your kind of time limit you like to train with a dog on a certain topic? Depends on what we're doing. If it's it's an advanced dog and we're running a a mark scenario, uh, you know, we're doing some land, water, land. Yeah. And uh, type scenario and they're not getting it. Well, we're going to figure out how they can get it. We're going to work on that. Yeah. Uh, Just because we got a triple set up doesn't mean I'm going to shoot the trip. This dog can't do this mark right here. If it's the go bird, you know, he shot the three marks and he's to the go bird and he had an extreme bad time with it. And I'm talking, you had to get the gunner out there, shoot another mark or something. I'm not going to go try to pick up the other two birds. I am going to stop and we're going to train and practice on that mark. I don't care if it's out in the middle of the field and it shouldn't have been a tough deal. No, we're going to stop and we're going to fix this and get it right because if you can't get this right, these other two marks are the other mark if you're running a double or just all singles. This next mark, he is just going to absolutely be bad at. Let's work in practice, you know, or if you do it a land, water, land, and they're they're hitting the water, but they're squaring it up or not angling in or, you know, they're trying to run around the bank or something. There's all sorts of, you have to work on that. You have to stop, make it simpler, figure out a way to make the dog understand what you're doing. Yeah. So it might not just be a good training that you, okay, so you just try to find something that's not going good. He's... He's going around the point. He's not listening to his hand signals there. You know, he needs to hit the point and keep driving. On that situation, probably I would have a gunner out there fire drilling it, which means I'd throw a mark. We'd shoot the mark. I'd let him go. And shoot. he or she would just keep throwing marks until he got there. So you pulled him through and showed him exactly what he was supposed to do. And then you'd come back, run it again and see if we got it fixed. And if that did still didn't fix it, then we might need to fire a drill again, or we made it stop and break that concept down in steps. Well, let's just get through water land, you know, there, and then go water land, water. Yeah. But we've all been there. We're like, man, I think my dog can do that. And you get out there and it's, it, it doesn't even work. It's like, my dog not even ready for this. Yeah. And so it's good to see that, but you know in the back of your mind, trainers know in the back of their mind, I don't know if they're gonna do this one. But let's try it. You know, I'm around my buddies, let's try this. We've all been there and done that. And you and your dogs are the ones that look like an idiot. But every now and then your dog gets lucky, goes out there and makes it look good. And like Bill says, okay. Now you fall in the trap. He's done it once. Can he do it again? And do it again. And do it again. Not do it a second time. And then the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time, he's just lost. So practice, practice, practice on each concept where your dog is just absolutely confident in everything you put him in. And once you get that, 
I think you're golden. You know, I think you're good. Uh, that's hard to do, especially when you got a lot of dogs. Um, it's extremely hard to do. But, uh, you know, it's uh, we, we all are there to learn every day. We're there to learn. And you learn something new every day. And you have good days and you have bad days in the dog training. And so, uh, you know, that's, uh, you just got to take it in stride. And sometimes you might have three bad days. And it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, just go back and simplify everything. Go back and simplify everything. Even though you think, oh, I'm not getting anything done. Well, the dog not, I might not have confidence now in what's going on. So let's back out. Let's go re- reduce things where they're confident. Then we'll come back, do it again, and see if we can get something done and work on it. Yeah. So, you know, you try to do drills all week long for the big setup at the end of the week. You know, you're trying to do the concepts you're fixing to do and the triple on the blind, that is the, the double on the blind. And then it's weak. <coughs> so you work all week long to, okay, we're working on this. It's like putting a play in at football in practice. We're going to do all these different deals to get this play going. At the end of the week, Friday, probably Saturday, and we're going to pump in and we're going to do it. Same thing. We're we're going to be doing down the shore marks. Well, all week long, you run a wide drill on down the shore marks, you know. Um, last time I went down to Mary's, I thought my dogs were doing pretty dang good on down the shore marks. The day before, they did great. Uh, that Saturday, they were terrible. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things. So, we stopped and we sit and worked on down the shore marks constantly. I mean, we threw a lot of down the shore marks in these dogs. And so, you got to get it, you got to get it right, because um, that's a big deal. A down the shore mark is a really big deal in the contest. Yeah. And it's still true. So. Yeah. Do you ever, um, when you're training your dogs, do you more often just have one dog out and working with that one dog and then the rest are in the kennels or do you have some other dogs sitting there watching that dog and keeping them steady and then kind of just run one through another what's what's your kind of i do both you know most of the time i've got my trailer full i've got it in my truck full yeah and, and so what i do is um i might tie them out to the trailer you know, tie out to the trailer, have a tie out, yeah. a gang tie out. I have my dogs out there, got one at the line, uh, and they're watching what's going on. Um, but I do, I do breaking stuff, you know, drills where I have two or three dogs out. My son will be out shooting, throwing live ducks. Me and my wife are sitting there running dogs, you know, yeah, uh, running two dogs at a time. Uh, and so, you know, and I'm talking, we scream, holler, hoop, shoot four or five times, you know, boom, 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 throwing birds just to see what's going on, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I do. I don't do the whole, I put five dogs at the line on, 
uh, uh, what you call it, those Omar sheets or stands and stuff like that. I don't do all that. I, I'll have to tie it out. They can see bark colors on because I don't like any barking. Yeah. And, uh, I just pull them up. And we work on that stuff. Um, you know, on like a Sunday. And I don't do a lot of training on Sunday. That's my family time. But we might go out and just work on nothing but breaking and just shooting a bunch of stuff, throwing birds, just watching what's going on. And you'll have multiple dogs out doing that. And, um, and I get people coming over a lot, especially close to the season. I'm going to have three or four guys out. Um, and we're all shooting. You know, I've got my decoy set up. I've got launchers throwing dead ducks, somebody shooting a live duck, and we're all shooting shotguns. We might be running three or four dogs there, um, however many guys around. And so we're working on honoring, breaking, the whole nine yards. And so that's kind of my deal. I don't do the whole, uh, people are getting mad, I say, gimmicky type thing. Oh, I've got all my dogs sitting down. That's cool. That's their, their deal, not mine. Uh, I don't have that many Bomar stands actually. So do do that. Uh, but I do uh, I do do that on the weekends, like on Sunday or something like that. And yeah, I don't I don't put all these dogs on Bomar stands Yeah. I don't do that. So. Yeah, fair enough. And um one more thing before we kind of wrap things up because we're at about two hours and I was going to say is there anything you wish I would have asked you before we end things off that we could go into I don't know how sexy I got over the years I don't know I don't know. I mean, I thought you asked some really good questions, man. Yeah. We had a... I thought it was Yeah. We had a real good talk today. Yeah, I think it was good. Yeah, I think we were able to discuss a lot about Cadillac Creek, dog training, and I'm definitely going to want to have you on for another one because I feel like we could just even go in more depth on some topics, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can get you. I can get you, Toby too. I can tell Toby get on with you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, if you. He's an he's an owner and operator. Yeah, yeah. If you know some people that want to join in for a podcast, send them my way, and I'd love to have anyone, anyone on, anyone and everyone. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. Yeah, and then if you want to let them know where they can get a hold of you for Cadillac Creek or 806 Gun Dogs. Yeah, you can get a hold of me. Uh, you can look on uh, my website, www.806gundogs.com. Instagram, of course, 806 Gun Dog, and same as Facebook. Um, I've got all my information. Uh, if you have these questions or comments or anything else, just let me know. Uh, I always, I'm always very quick to get on emails or messages or something, uh, unless I'm, unless I'm training that I'll get back to you that afternoon or something. But, uh, most of the time I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good calling back or got any questions, and comments, uh, 
it doesn't matter. Just let me know. Uh, yeah, you'll see my hopefully my crew this at the end of the week bunch of uh, ribbons. Yeah. So, yeah. Be rolling with that, but uh, oh well, we're just gonna go have a good time and have a crawfish bowl on Friday. So, uh, shoot some skeet after we get done training and bull some crawfish. So, can't complain. Uh, but yeah, if y'all want to get a hold of Toby, I would go to CadillacCreek.com because he's got his website and I'll have his email and his number there. Uh, or you can get him uh, over Instagram or Facebook. Um, he's really quick to answer as well. Or you can get with me uh, or Chance or Colt Roth or any of them, you know. Yeah. And so uh, just uh, text us uh, anything, any kind of questions y'all have or comments or want to book a hunt or something, just let us know. Perfect. Well, once again, thank you. And uh, we'll we'll have another one here soon, so. And, okay. and with Toby, that'd be, that'd be great, too. Yeah, that sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. All right, man. Well, you have a good one. All right. See ya. See ya. And that wraps things up for today's podcast, episode nine, with Jake Suddeth at 806 Gun Dogs and guide at Cadillac Creek Outfitters down in Texas. Um, I had a super fun time talking with him and talking about service dogs. And and that wraps things up for today with Living the Guide Life and Jake Suddeth. Great talk today about gun dogs, high-pressured scenarios, shooting wads of lessers down in Texas, cranes down in Texas, and what kind of dog you're looking for when picking out a hunting dog, male, female, whatever it is. So I hope you guys got something out of it, and enjoy.